going live, but I guess not. Block right. Talk Radio. 463. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the slaves of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. On that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share, when his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the sky and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn to setting sun. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. Then when all of life is over and our earth on earth is done, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. Guarantee you. Amen. Because I was there when it happened. That's another good one. Amen. Old Johnny Cash song. When I was there when it happened, so I guess I ought to know. Amen. Praise God. Good to be in church. Sure, it's dark, ain't it? Feels like we come out in the middle of the night and go to church, doesn't it? I'm telling you, Mama said, we're coming through Clarksville. She said, don't feel like going to church. I said, no, it looks like we're going to find somebody that broke down on the side of the road one in the morning, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what it feels like, but praise God, we're out anyway. I know some of y'all feel like you should have been to bed an hour or two ago, but amen, we're here. Hallelujah. We'll fight through it for three or four months, and we'll be back to normal again, maybe somewhere like that anyway, maybe three or four, five or six. But it's good to be back in church. Good to see every one of you. Miss Bonnie's over at her kid's house in, in McKinney tonight. Pray for her, traveling mercies. Um, I got a prayer request. Uh, Jackson, his girl, his girlfriend's dad just passed away, C.W. Lewis from Bogota. He, I think he was 53 years of age. I'm sure there's some people in our church that knew him. Uh, but anyway, I know several of his kinfolk, but I didn't know him. But And I'm not sure if he was saved or not, but I know there's people in his family that are believers, and I'm hoping he was witness to. I think his wife was a believer from what I understand. So, But anyway, Jackson's been calling me. He's been over to the hospital with him, and, and uh, he asked us to pray. So let's pray for their family and uh, ask God to give them comfort. Um Anybody got other prayer requests tonight? Yes, Mary. Okay. All right, we sure will. Miss Charlotte? All right. How's Miss Pam? Need prayers too? Needs prayers too? All right. Let's remember to pray for Scott. 
member for Miss Nell. Uh, let's remember pray for Dan, Miss Anya, Miss um, Joanne. She's she having some troubles tonight. Um, just can't walk straight. Yep. Y'all pray for my little girl. She ain't been feeling good this week. I'm going to get her to eat and drink a whole lot this week. Not sure what's going on with her. Pray for her that she gets feeling better. Uh, anything else tonight before we go to the Lord in prayer? Nothing else? All right. Well, I'm glad everything's good with everybody. Praise God. <laughs> huh? Unspoken. All right. Yeah, we all got some of them, don't we? Amen. Well, let's take him to the Lord tonight, and, uh, and let's call on his name. Robert, lead us. Amen. be seated. I'm sorry, C.W. Hines. That's probably why. Yeah, that's why. I keep getting that mixed up. But anyway, yes, C.W. Hines. That's my mistake. Slip of the tongue. Does that name ring a bell with anybody? C.W. Hines. Huh? Yeah, he was from Bogota, about 53 years of age. I also wanted to mention, too, uh, he's been he's been watching our broadcasts and been asking our church to pray, but I, I failed to mention it. I'm just evidently I'm a bad friend. But anyway, his name is Mario. He's uh, he works over at a Brian Gibbs funeral home. I've known him for years. I've been doing funerals over there with them for years and years. But uh, he's a good good guy. Loves the Lord, and uh, he's been asking prayer for his daughter. I'm pretty sure she's pregnant. Uh, he's been mentioning something about his daughter and a baby. So, I'm, but anyway, whatever the Lord knows the need there. But I. Just wanted to mention, y'all remember to pray for my friend Mario. He's good. He's a good brother over there in Paris at Fry and Gibbs Funeral Home. All right, well, let's sing another one. 322, let's turn over and sing Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus. 322. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it was not suffer long. From victory unto victory, his army shall he lead. Till every foe is vanquished, and Christ is Lord indeed. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, the Let's call obey, for to the mighty conflict in this his glorious day. He that our men now serve him against the numbered foe, let's turn. 
courage rise with danger and strength to strength oppose. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, stand in his strength alone. The arm of flesh will fail you, he dare not trust your own. Put on the gospel armor and watching unto prayer. Where duty calls or danger, be never wanting there. Amen. Well, let's turn over to 42. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. <clears throat> I thought I said, what did I write on yours? Oh, okay. Well, never mind. That's right. That's what I meant to say. 320. <laughs> 320. That was right. Amen. I'm looking at the song list. I got a... No, no, no. We're good. 320 is right. I was looking at the wrong one, sister. Yep. Don't ever say I don't mess up. Amen. I mess up a lot. <laughs> Shall we gather at the river where bright angels feet have brought with its crystal tide forever flowing by the throne of God? Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. On the bosom of the river, where the Savior King we hold, we shall meet in sorrow never, meet the glory of the throne. Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. Ere we reach the shining river, may we every burden down. Grace our spirits will deliver and provide a robe and crown. Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. Soon we'll reach the shining river, soon our pilgrimage will cease. Soon our happy hearts will quiver with the melody of peace. Yes, we'll gather at the river, the beautiful, the beautiful river. Gather with the saints at the river that flows by the throne of God. Amen. Someday. On heaven's shore, amen, we'll stand up there, amen, praise God, by the crystal flowing river that flows from the throne of God, amen, and all all his people are going to gather around and praise him together, amen, what a day that's going to be, hallelujah. All right, one more, 317. 317. 
317. Savior like a shepherd lead us. Almost the same tune there for a second, didn't it? I said it almost sounded like the same tune there for a second. 317. I, I don't mess with her now. She, don't play that song. Oh, yeah. 317. I'm just messing with you, sister. <laughs> okay. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Much we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures, feed us. For our use, I both prepare. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us, thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast bought us, thine we are. We are thine, as thou befriend us, Be the guardian of our way. Keep thy flock from sin, defend us, seek us when we go astray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and sinful though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power to free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, hear, oh, hear us when we pray. Early let us seek thy favor, early let us do thy will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love thy bosom still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast loved us, love us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast loved us, love us still. Amen. Praise God. You know, they messed that up. That third verse ain't right. It's supposed to be, blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us... Turn to thee, blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to thee, which goes right into early let us seek thy favor. I don't know who done that, but they messed that up. Anyway, praise God. Leave it up to me to find stuff wrong in the book. Amen. I, I'm that way, though. I'm a watchdog. Amen. If there's something in there ain't right, I'm going to find it. All right, take your Bible this, this evening. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 20, and we're going to finish... Uh, I do believe we're going to finish up tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe I'm mistaken. Uh, no, I'm not mistaken at all. Let's see. Come on, wait a minute. Proverbs chapter 20 tonight. Yes, we're going to finish the chapter tonight. Amen. 
verses 23 through 30 tonight, Proverbs chapter 20. Have you found that? If you have, say amen. All right. Well, let's get into the Bible tonight, and let's learn from the Lord, and let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight before we start. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you tonight. Thank you for your, your people here. And, Father, I'm thankful to be the pastor. I'm thankful, Lord, that you called me into this position, Lord, and that you used me. Lord God, I pray tonight you'd use me again. Lord, I know that I need you. I need you. I need fresh oil tonight. I need the touch of your spirit. I can't do this without you. I need you. Lord, I know I could read this, but, Lord, it does no good unless you're in it. Lord, I pray tonight the spirit of God would, Lord, use me. Put your hand on me tonight, Lord. And, and Lord, I'll pray you to awaken our spirit tonight. Speak to us tonight. Lord, make your presence real. Our nation's in trouble. And thus, and say and thus, we're in trouble because, Lord, we're in the, we're the, we make up this nation. Lord God, we need you, and we need wisdom in this hour. We need wisdom to make right decisions, to be led correctly. Lord God, lead us tonight. Help us tonight. Give us, a Lord, a responsive will. When we see the truth, we get in line with it. We're not questioning you. We'll just say, yes, Lord, and we'll get in line and be obedient to your will. Lord, help us. Help us to submit to you. Help us, Lord, to come willingly. Lord God, I pray that you'll, that you'll lovingly lead us into the truth. And we'll give you praise for it tonight. We give you glory. We love you because you first loved us. And we thank you so much for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. He first loved us. Amen. Even while we were yet sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. Amen. Proverbs 20, verse 23 tonight. Proverbs 20, beginning with verse 23, the Bible says, Diverse weights are an abomination unto the Lord, and a false balance is not good. And, uh, you know, when I was little and read this, I thought, I wonder what divers' weights are. I guess that's what they must put around their ankles when they go down underwater so they'll sink to the bottom. Them divers' weights. God don't like them divers' weights. That's not what it means. Diverse. Amen. Different kinds of weights. Yeah, I got my, I got my, I got my weights that are that are, are light when I want to buy something, so I can buy it on the cheap. And I got my weights that are extra heavy that I put on there when I want to sell it on the cheap. I'll make some money off somebody. See, I, they got their weights where they they're false. And, you know, you got one that's hollowed out, maybe in the bottom, and it, and it's it's been poured instead of with steel, it's been poured with with nickel or something that's lighter. And then you got the other one that's supposed to weigh more, but it's been shaved off. You know, I mean, or it's been added something heavier than than whatever the weight is to it. To you know, again, God hates that. That's corruption. That's wickedness. Because God is righteous, and He's righteous in all His measurements too. God doesn't short anybody. God doesn't cheat anybody. God's going to be exact. God's going to be to the point. God, God is an exact God. When he measures anything, whether it be in the physical realm or whether it be in the moral realm, God's measurements are always true. God never makes mistakes, and he never, he never makes errors in judgment or whatever you want to call it. And, and God tells us to imitate him when it comes to this and, and to understand that he looks at dishonest, diverse weights as a trivial thing, but as an abomination. God God says it's abomination. And, and if you don't know what an abomination really means, I go back to 
Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary on this, and he said it is an, an object of extreme hatred. I absolutely hate that. I can't stand it. I hate it. That's the way God looks at that. He looks at a lot of things like that. Uh, you know, he looks at pride like that. He, he looks at he, he looks at uh, what we call the seven deadly sins. We don't I don't call them that. That's what Catholics I think call them. But but you know uh, you know all those all those all those sins that God says in, over in Proverbs that He hates that they are an abomination unto Him. And so that's that's one of them. Diverse ways when somebody's cheating somebody, God hates that. And according to uh, Proverbs sixteen eleven, the Lord created the weighing apparatus. And, and and so every deceitful practice affects him. He's the one who determines what's right. He says in Proverbs sixteen eleven, a just weight and balance are of the Lord's. So God's the one who sets that up, what's right and what's wrong. And all the weights of the bag are his work. So again, it's very crucially important to him that we're honest. That means we're not trying to beat somebody out of something. That we're, that, you know, <clears throat> somebody drops a. $20 bill in front of you, don't bend over, pick it up, put it in your pocket. You bend over, pick it up, tap him on the shoulder, say, hey, you dropped this. You do the right thing. Amen? When you have an opportunity to take advantage of somebody, you don't. You do the right thing. You let them know, hey, I want you to know this was a mistake. I want you to hear it before you make this, before you get away. I don't want you to, I don't want you to lose money. I want, I am trying to help you. We're supposed to be honest. We're supposed to always Try to be honest in our business dealings and our dealings with people. Um, you know, life in the marketplace and life in Christianity are inseparable. God wants us to be Christians at the store just like we're Christians in the home. God wants us to be Christians no matter where we go. So diverse ways are an abomination to them. And, and the Bible says and a false balance is not good. And again, God cares that we do business honestly. And, you know, the world the world tells us it don't make no difference how we make our money. Do what you got to do. Look out for number one. Do what you got to do to make it. But God warns us that dishonest scales are not good and they're not going to bless us. They're not going to benefit us in the long run because if we're trying to live by dishonesty, we're fighting against the Lord. If we're fighting against the Lord, we're going to have we're going to be robbed of blessings anyway. And, and I mean, it, it just stands to reason. If you do things right, God will bless you. If you don't, God's not going to bless you because he looks at it as something that he hates. So it just makes sense. If we got any sense about us, we're going to want to please him, and we're going to, we're going to try to do things the correct way. All right? Verse 24. <clears throat> the Bible says man's goings are of the Lord. Again, remember, this whole chapter is about what? It's about our conduct. Amen? All this is about how we conduct ourselves amongst the world. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? Now, you know, I mean, man's goings are of the Lord, but, I mean, you know, you don't get up in the morning and you don't sit there and pray till you get a sign as to whether you're supposed to leave the house or stay there, okay? We don't, we don't get in the car, crank it up, and go, Lord, show me which way to go or I'm not going to leave. I mean, we, we do plan our day, and we should plan our day. What I'm trying to say, it's not wrong for a, for a man or woman to get up and, and, and make plans, okay? We, we're busy making plans all the time. But the truth of it is God is the one that guides our steps according to his will, okay? If our plans don't line up with his will, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when little kids go bowling, they put up the rails on the side so the ball don't go in the gutter. You know, God's got rails. 
in our life. God, I mean, we're, we're, we're throwing the ball our life down the, down the lane, but we start easing off the side. God's got a bumper in. Hey, let me get back over this way. God's guiding us along if we're, if we're walking in his will. But why? Because we don't have perfect vision. We can't see everything down the road. So we've got, look, we've got the Word of God and we've got the Spirit of God, who are, who, and, and they work together in concert to guide our steps to keep us from getting out of the way of God's will. That's the, man's goings are of the Lord, but you know, again, he's in charge. He's not, he's not left us on our own, amen? He doesn't leave all the choices and plans up to us. Praise God he does. I mean, he gives us enough rope to work with. But God will yank us back if, 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 we, if we get to go in the wrong direction. The Bible says, how can a man then understand his own way? What is this teaching us? It's teaching us, it's teaching us something called humility when it comes to our choices in life, when it comes to the path of our life. It's trying to show us that we ought to have humility. We ought not think or act as if, this life is all in our control, and we'll just do whatever we want to do, and 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 according to our specific plan. Can I ask y'all something? How many of y'all y'all show me? How many of y'all's life went exactly the way you planned it? <laughs> Some of y'all was gonna raise your hand when I said to get ready to raise your hand, but you ain't raised it because it didn't, did it? You planned it. You had plans. How many of y'all had plans? Raise your hand. You had plans in your life. And it didn't go that way, did it? No. Mine didn't either. Believe it or not, mine did not. I didn't plan to be a preacher. I planned to be a rock and roll singer. And then I planned to be a country singer. And God said, you're not doing that. I bought you and paid for you when you were seven years old. You were on the wrong road, son. And God reached and yanked me back so hard like he killed me. I mean, like pulling my soul, pulling out of my body, he yanked me back so hard. Thank God he did. I was going down the wrong road. I was headed for destruction. He'd have had smeared me down the highway somewhere because I was ruining his name. My plans were, well, my plans, my goings were of the Lord. God was really in control, even though everybody was looking at him going, he's making a mess. He's going to crash. God knew where the turnaround point was. <clears throat> Amen. God knew where yours was at too, didn't he, sister? Amen. He got a turnaround point. Sometimes we just ain't there yet. We got turnaround point. Praise God. Amen. And ain't according to us. It's according to him. Amen. And again, thank God for that. So, again, we're, we're not in control. We're to let him have control. And, you know, there's something beautiful about that. I know some people think, if I, get, if I gave up control, I don't know what would happen. I tell you what would happen. You'd feel a whole lot happier. Because you you say, well, I, what would I do? You'd let, God, you'd let God have the controls of your life. I think back to when I was little. And we would be going somewhere. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I mean, when I, of course, y'all, some of y'all older than me, but when I was, when I was growing up, Friday night or Saturday night usually meant we was going somewhere to eat fish. I mean, I just, you lived in southwest Arkansas when I, when you grow up, my, my, when I was, there wasn't a whole lot to do, but they, over by the Red River, there was a good catfish place. And we'd go over, usually on Friday or Saturday night, and we'd load up in the car. And it'd be about this dark, you know, after the time changed. I remember riding in the back seat. You know, I never worried about nothing. I never worried about how fast they were, how fast we were driving. I never worried about, you know, how long it was going to take to get there, how long it was going to take to get back. I'd just sit in the back seat and ride. You know, like I said, we'd go on trips. We'd, 
we'd ride out to Mama's, Mom and Daddy's go out there for Thanksgiving. That's over in Princeton. And we're driving from Arkansas to Princeton. That's a, that's a two-hour drive at least. And, you know, and that long drive on Thanksgiving afternoon after we'd watch the Cowboys play and we're heading back to Arkansas. And, I, I mean, it, I'd get up in the back, up up in the what they call the back glass of the package tray, and I'd lay down up there between the speakers. And I'd listen to the radio up there, and I'd go to sleep. I would, you know, you could do that today. They'd pull you over. They'd throw you under the jail for letting kids sleep up there now. But, I mean, I don't see Bill, though. Amen. Well, nobody worried about nothing. I wasn't worried about a thing. Because somebody else was driving, and they knew where they were going. And they had it all under control. They had the wheel. I didn't. I didn't have to worry about it. So I could relax and take a nap. Now, I'm not saying you ought to take a nap when it comes to your life, but I'm telling you you can relax and not when you're not one with the wheel in your hands because God knows where he's going, and God knows what time it is, and God knows when you're supposed to be there, and God is fully capable of handling your life, and you need to let go of the wheel. And quit, You know, I, thought, I, I posted this on Facebook today or yesterday. It said, God ain't through with your story. Quit taking the pen out of his hand. Look, you quit trying to write your story. You don't know what's going on. You let go of that. Let God write the story, and you just do what he says. Amen. Man's going to the Lord, but how can a man understand his own way? He can't. He's to leave it up to God. Verse 25. It is a snare to the man who devoureth that which is holy, and after vows to make inquiry. Okay? What is that talking about? It's a snare to the man who devoureth, who devoureth that which is holy. This this is this this has in mind the practice of somebody they're dedicating things to God for his use. Okay? It's like saying ah it's like me it's like me saying, I dedicate this guitar to use for God and only God. Okay. Yeah, you know, that's if I said that, I mean I better not play no other songs on it. I haven't done that because, I mean I play I play I'm not gonna lie to you. I, if ain't nothing wrong with it, I play a country song. If there's nothing wrong with it, if ain't no sinful thing in it, if it's something, there's good songs, amen. I mean, there's plenty of songs about things that aren't sinful. But, you know, I ain't going to sing no honky-tonk business. I ain't going to sing nothing that's, that, that, would, that would hurt my testimony. Ain't no point in doing that. But I'm not going to say I'll never play, I'll never play uh, something on there, a little bluegrass tune or something. But if I say I ain't never going to play nothing on that but, but gospel songs ever, I better not do nothing else. If I dedicate it to God, it better be used for God. Amen? You know, I guarantee you, when this building was built, back in 1952, I think it was, they was probably a dedication. They probably dedicated this building to God. I'm sure they did. Amen? Any church that builds a church building, they usually have a dedication service where they dedicate this building to God. And that means we're not going to come in here and have a Lions Club meeting next Wednesday night. Right? Then I'm going to hold an auction up here on Saturday. When I'm going to have a whole crowd of people in here smoking cigarettes and, and carrying on and, and playing poker. They ain't going to have none of that. They ain't having a casino night up here. This is a church. It's dedicated to God. Okay? So that's kind of what we're talking about, dedicating things to God's use alone. So when it comes to promises of dedicating things to God, we need to be careful and avoid the snare of doing things quickly without thinking. And making quick, rash promises with God. 
And I tell you, I, 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 I think people, you know, people, I've seen people so drunk, they're hanging over toilet seat. Oh, God. Oh, God, you know, give me up here. I'll never drink again. Oh, God, I promise you, I'll never drink again. Hey, lying to God. Lying to God. We need to be careful that we, with the things that we say. God is telling us here. To pronounce a thing holy is to dedicate it to God, is to separate it to God. So here we have an impulsive man pledging something more than he seriously intends to give. I think, you know, in the Bible of Ananias and Sapphira, they pledged to give more than they actually. You see how God feels about something like that. What did he do? He struck them both dead. I mean, to make an example of them, to show the rest of the church, you don't play with God. That was right off at the beginning. I think that's why God snuffed them out like that. To show, I'm, I'm very serious about this. What's holy to me is holy to me. Don't play with that. You saw that with, with Yusa back in the Old Testament when the, when, the old, when the Ark of the Covenant was on a cart and the, and the ox stumbled and the cart shook and Uzzah reached up there to hold it up so it wouldn't slide off and God struck him dead because God don't need a man's help. Amen. God, listen, God's serious about his holy things. So, again, we got, we got this man. He's, he's pledging more than he intends to give. Solomon addresses this. In Ecclesiastes 5, 4 through 7, and it says, when, I, when thou vowest a vow unto God, defer not to pay it. Don't wait around. For he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and pay not. Suffer not or allow not thy mouth to cause thy flesh to sin. In other words, don't write a check with your mouth that you hind in can't cash. Neither say thou before the angel that it was an error. Oh, I didn't mean it. It was a mistake. Wherefore, why should God be angry at thy voice and destroy the work of thine hands? Don't lie to God. For in the multitude of dreams and many words, there are also diverse vanities, but fear thou God. God is trying to tell us. That, that, that this is a commonly overlooked and unappreciated sin amongst God's people, the sin of broken vows and making empty promises to God and not following through. And God's so serious about it, and we don't get – we're obviously not serious about it, or we wouldn't break the vows to begin with. We shouldn't promise things to God and then fail to live up to what we promised. Amen. And so let me say this. Those who honor God, They'll be quick to make, uh, I'm sorry, they will not be quick to make, like I said, if you're going to honor God, you're not going to be quick to make vows. You know, you're going to think things through before you're going to pray about it. You're going to make sure your heart is sincere in what you're saying before you're going to make a vow. All right? And, and, and those who honor God will be serious in fulfilling the vows that they made. And they'll also look at broken vows as sins to be confessed and to be repented of. <clears throat> second half of that verse says, and after vows, to make inquiry. Okay, what does that mean? All right, we've already talked about not making vows too rashly, making promises too quickly, and then after vows to make inquiry, this is like, oh, I, I, at least if I can get out of that. That's what this is talking about. Asking you to promise something, now you're trying to figure out how you can get out of it. After you make a vow to make an inquiry, asking a question about it. 
So when you make a promise to God too quickly or too foolishly, we end up rethinking the promise we made. You see, wisdom would have protected us from making that promise too quick to begin with. It's based on emotion when people do that. They get caught up in the moment. That's, let, me, let me tell you, that's, that's why I warn people about charismatic churches. You get in a charismatic church, and, and the whole intention of their service is to pump you up emotionally, to inflate, inflate you like a balloon full of emotion so that you come running to the altar and have an emotional outburst, and they can say, look at what God has done. I'm telling you, that, and a lot of those, and, I'm, and I'm not saying every Pentecostal church is that way, but I'm telling you there are a lot of charismatic churches, and, and the new charismatic churches especially, where it's just one big rock concert where they're going like this the whole time. There's, that's something to that. They're trying to get you in a hypnotic state of emotion to where you're, you are malleable. It ain't about God's Word doing that. It ain't about the Spirit of God doing that. Do you know the Holy Spirit does not need a rock band to get a hold of somebody? He don't need smoke machines and lights to get a hold of somebody? Holy Spirit works best in a quiet room where there's nobody bothering you. <clears throat> but again, I want to say that to help. I don't say that to hurt anybody's feelings. But it's true. It's true. But again, wisdom would have protected us from all that if we were just following God and seeking God instead of trying to, uh, again, trying to find some deeper, higher experience uh, through our flesh. And so many people do that. So many people make that mistake, and they get caught up in it. And, again, they make promises that they never intended to keep. Uh, again, I've seen it at church camp. I'm not trying to go on on about this, but I've been at church camp. I went to church camp in Gary, Texas. And uh, I think I went a number of years, maybe two years. I can't remember, maybe three. I can't remember. But I know I'm, I know I'm, I remember going, and, and, boy, the last night of last night of church camp, you know, the evangelist boy, he's pouring it on. And, and, I, and I'm, I've said this so many times, I'm blue in the face, but you got a whole row of kids who they've just become the best of friends in life. I mean, they, they swear they'll keep up with each other from now on, you know. We're, we're, a, we're a gang. We're a pack. We're, 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 we're one. We're united. And, and one of them gets under conviction and heads out the aisle, and they all just run like lemmings to the altar. And, and half of them don't even know why they're going. And yet they'll announce from the pulpit, this, this experience that they had at the altar when it was really just emotion. And they, they, they've said things to God that didn't even know what they were saying. Maybe one got saved, maybe two, but there was maybe eight of them that went down. Now, what's going to happen with the rest of them who had some kind of experience? What's going to happen to those who had some kind of experience but didn't have an experience of salvation but were told by a preacher and evangelist, probably some kid fresh out of Bible college, that they're all saved? And they spend the rest of their lives thinking that they're saved, fall off into hell and go, but I thought I was saved. I'm telling you, that's dangerous stuff. I don't know that, what, what this verse is about, but I, the Lord led me in that direction, so I thought I'd say it. Amen? All right, let's keep going. Verse 26, a wise king scattereth the wicked and bringeth the wheel over them. A wise king, an earthly ruler, understands how important it is to administer justice. I mean, you better be you better be one who believes in justice if you want to have a kingdom that's worth anything. And, and part of that is to carefully examine or to sift out the wicked. You got listen. You got to, you you've got to be a leader that cares about justice and right if you're going to have a decent kingdom. 
you're going to have to crack down on the wicked. And our country these day and time, they ain't much cracking down on the wicked. Actually, they kind of let the wicked do what they want anymore in this nation, it seems like. But uh, but it's wise for an earthly ruler to do this. And, and if, again, if they want to have a good kingdom, they've got to get the wicked out of the way because the wicked deter right. The wicked, the wicked deter uh, a good life for the for the peaceful So and, and for those who would follow God. So you can expect God's going to do that. God God deals with the wicked, and God does it right. God does it better than man ever could. And, and the Bible says the wise king, he scattered the wicked and bringeth the wheel over there. What does that mean? Hey, crush him, you're right. It, it's talking about it, it, it. he not only knows how to look at them and tell whether they're wicked or whether they're whether they're misguided or what, he uses wisdom to tell, but then then he also knows how to bring whatever punishment's appropriate for that for that person. And and to use what is wise and what is necessary to separate the evil from the good. It's kinda of like a threshing wheel separates it separates the chaff from the wheat. All right? And it says that he bring it he bringeth the wheel over them. He he brings it back. Literally he he causes it to return is what it means. It represents the wheel of the cart going over the heads of the grain over and over and over and crushing them and threshing them and breaking it up in order to make sure that it's all that it's all separated. You know, good rulers are to be a terror to the evil. That's what the Bible tells in Romans 13. They're supposed to be a terror to the evil. I mean, listen, bank robbers and cat burglars and rapists and murderers are supposed to shake in their boots thinking about what, what could be done to them because of the righteous. But amen, listen, I know that ain't the world we live in today, but it sure should be. And once it was, amen, when there was a hanging gallows, I promise you, people feared to do wrong and get caught. Amen, when there was a when there was a firing squad, there was people who feared uh, getting caught. Amen. I promise you that. Amen, we've gotten too far away from all that. and It takes it takes too much to, to put somebody out when they're supposed to be gone. Amen, we... Listen, this country is this country is so quick to kill uh, kill a baby, but it takes forever to get rid of a, a, a criminal who just wants to murder people. Don't make sense. Well, it does make sense. This is the devil's world we're living in right now. This is his kingdom. He's ruling that we're that, that God has given him uh, allowed him to to have have a uh, lead way in. Amen. Or he wouldn't have it. God has allowed this. Amen. And it's going to get worse all the way into Christ's coming. But anyway. <clears throat> but but judgment. I mean, we're supposed to we're supposed to we're supposed to uh, uh, the people of this world are supposed to crack down on evildoers. Amen. I mean, well, it ain't it ain't right the way things are. But God's word is not preached very much anymore either. Not even in churches. So it's no wonder why our world is turned upside down. Because when God is not in His rightful place, and this world cannot be what it ought to be. Verse twenty seven. It's a very good verse. I love this one. The spirit of a man, candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The spirit of the man is the candle of the Lord. There's a lot of things in us, on the inside of us, that only the candle of the Lord can expose. And, you know, the Bible says over in Psalm 119, 105, David said, Thy word is a, a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it's that idea when we talk about the candle of the Lord. 
You know, it says the spirit of a man. The spirit, that's the inner spiritual part of a human human being that was, I mean, it was breathed into Adam's creation. God breathed into him, and he became a living soul. A man's spirit was awakened in him. And when I got saved and when you got saved, the spirit of God quickened our spirit and brought it to life within us. And it's because the spirit of, the spirit of a man is awake and alive in him, and God lives in that spirit. When we do wrong, the spirit of the, the spirit of the Lord has a candle. Uh, listen, He shines it into our life. He shines it back into the recesses of our life. And Amen. The Holy Spirit works. We call it our conscience, but it works in coordination with our spirit. Amen. It shines the light of truth on the sin in our life. Lost man don't have that. A lost man is a soul and a body. That's all he is. Amen. He's a two-part person. He don't get convicted over his sins. Lost men live like he wants to live, and it don't bother him. He might. Somebody might say, well, you're wrong to do that. He said, well, who are you think you are to tell me I'm wrong? Who are you? That's what a lost man will think whenever you tell him he's wrong. How dare you tell me I'm wrong? Who do you think you are? You ain't no better than I am. That's what he'll look at you and say. Amen. But you know what? When a person gets saved, they realize, that, hey, that ain't the way it is. God is the one to tell me I'm wrong. Amen. That's who that's that's who ought to tell me I'm wrong. God's told me I'm wrong, and I've seen that I'm wrong. And now that God showed me that I'm wrong, I want to be right with God. That's what the candle of the Lord will do to wake you up. Amen. When when you get saved, Amen. You do wrong. The, the, the spirit of God says, "Hey, you know that's wrong. I see it. You see it. You know it's there." See, you and I, we, we, we got sin in our life that we like to walk back into the back hall of our apartment, go back to the back closet and open the door and stick it way up on the shelf where we say, ain't nobody going to see it. And, and maybe nobody does, but God does. Candle of the Lord goes, hey, hey, let me tell you something. Our conscience goes walking with God's candle down through our hallway, and in the middle of the night we're laying on our pillow. Hey, you hear that across the door creak open he said, what's that back there? He said, I didn't think nobody knew that was in there. God said, oh, yeah, I knew it was there. That don't belong in you. You're a child of God. You're not a child of this world. That don't belong in you. Hey, hey, he'll, he'll come up on you and he'll say, what's that you're watching on TV? You think a Christian will watch that? Huh? What's that you're listening to? Did a Christian listen to that? That's what the candle of the Lord will do. He'll shine the light on what you're doing that ain't right. Amen. So listen, within the within the mystery of the spirit nature of every man, there's light. It's like I said, it's the instrument of God and it illuminates our life. It it, it lights it up and shows us again what's there or what's not there. And it's by that that we're kept face to face with the truth. Otherwise we just end up blind ourselves constantly. If it weren't for that light of God that, that says you're not going to get away with this, I'm showing you I know it's there. Thank God for that. Amen? Hallelujah. It says it searches all the inward parts of the belly. You know how it does that? It's because God's word is living. And God's word is alive. That's how it does that. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick, it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. In other words, there ain't anywhere it can't get to. 
Ain't nowhere in your life it can't penetrate and get right to the point. Amen? It says dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. That's going to divide you in half. It can cut you right in two. Amen? And of the joints and the marrow, ain't nothing in its way. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, listen, the Word of God looks at your heart and says, I know what you meant by that. I know what was behind that. I know what you were doing, what you were thinking. You can't hide nothing from God. And anybody tries to hide from God is foolish. Let's be honest with God about our sin. If we get honest with God about our sin, we can get it confessed and get it out of the way and get cleansed and have joy in our life again. Amen. Let's keep going. Verse 28. Mercy and truth. Preserve the king, and his throne is upholden by mercy. Preserve the king, mercy and truth do. And, and again, any earthly king may, can be preserved by God's mercy and truth if, if, it, if they see it. And you know what? And, and, and also he can be preserved by the mercy and truth that he shows to others. Again, if it's shown to him, it can keep his kingdom up going. Again, you take a wicked old king, somebody shows him God's love, God's mercy, and God's truth, and he gets in line with it. God will preserve his kingdom. Amen? God wants a good king. God wants a king that loves him and follows him. And again, if you've got a king on the throne who's showing other people God's mercy and truth, well, God's going to bless him too, isn't he? Can you imagine if we had a president who, and during, his, during his Oval Office addresses, was sure to share with the nation that Jesus died for sinners and that everybody ought to be saved. Can you imagine what that'd be like? I mean, heads would pop off in Washington, D.C. and roll down the street. But, but I mean, can you imagine how God would bless America if that were the case? And I, I know I know Trump said some good things about Jesus. But then again, there's been a lot of politicians that said good things about Jesus because it suited them well and it played to their, their constituency. And I know Trump knows that his constituency is, 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 is born again Christians and, and, and a lot of religious people too, but he knows that the name of Jesus benefits him. I'm not saying he doesn't. He's not. He, I'm not saying what the man is or isn't. But I'm saying to you, I don't just go by the fact that somebody mentions Jesus because Benny Hinn talks about Jesus all the time, and I think he's the biggest charlatan ever come down the pike. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to get all worked up. But I'm telling you, boy, if we had somebody in the in the White House who was really sharing the message and testimony of the Lord, and, I, and our Speaker of the House has done that. I mean, he has. Now, maybe he voted, had a perfect voting record, but the man has got a testimony that he's a saved, born-again child of God. And praise God for that. And shared his, his faith and said, I make my decisions based upon the word of God. He's a member of, of Cedarwood Baptist Church in Bossier City, Louisiana. I think that's the place. Now, I know it's a little liberal of a Baptist church. But praise God, I'll take that over something else. Amen? But again... It, it, it preserves the kingdom. In the Davidic covenant, the covenant God made with David, he promised not to take his, his covenant love from the king, but to make his house stable. Listen to what it says. 2 Samuel 11 uh, verse, uh, through verse 16. And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, again, that's during the book of Judges, and have caused thee, uh, hey, oh, let me read that again. And since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. 
He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. God made a covenant with David. Why? Because David loved God. And David David, David shared God's love with others. Amen. He said, he said his throne is upholding by mercy. Amen. So, again, mercy and truth preserve the king, and his throne is upholding by mercy. And again, this, this, this is a great... A great covenant uh, love that God shows to his people. Amen. I mean, listen, he, he's going to hold us up. Amen. But he all, but he says, listen, he says we ought to take and show that love to other people. Amen. And, and, and All right. You're getting a phone call. <laughs> My grandson is calling us in the middle church on my phone. All right. But anyway, you know, People, people assume that, that thrones, uh, kings' thrones, and, and that governments are upheld by armies and their military power, but they're held up by God. They fall otherwise. He sets them up and he, he pulls them down. God's in control of authority in this world, whether they think they are or not. And the wicked rule because God allows them to, because God brings punishment on a nation that doesn't follow him. And look at our government and look at how upset God is with us. You know to have the buffoons in Washington that we have, God, I mean, it is a clown show of all clown shows. It's worse than any dumpster fire. You, I mean, nearly everybody in office is either a sodomite or, or thinks they're the other gender or something. I mean, we've got military generals who, who, who are sitting in a meeting, a bunch of rough old brawny men with long hair and pantyhose on, sitting around looking like a bunch of idiots talking about war. I mean, our, we, our nation is so swirling in the toilet. And it's because it's because there ain't nobody in authority that knows anything about God and what he said. And so God is not going to bless this nation. He's going to judge this nation. That's what he's doing. And God's able to do that. Military power can't do anything. Look at Rome. Is Rome still in power? No, it's not. You know why? Because God decided to pull her down. Is Alexander the Great's Greece still in power? No. You know why? God pulled her down. Amen? And God's pulling America down too. Amen. I hate to say that, but it's the truth. <laughs> Again, his throne is upholding by mercy. This proverb finds its final fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Psalm 72, 1, 2, and 4. There's a psalm for Solomon. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness and thy poor with judgment. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy, and he shall break in pieces the oppressor. That's the Lord. That's what he's going to do. Isaiah 16, 4 and 5, Let mine outcast dwell with thee, Moab, and be a, thou a, cover, a covert for them from the face of the spoiler. Extortioner is at an end. The spoiler ceaseth, and the oppressors are consumed out of the land. And in mercy shall the throne be established, and he shall sit upon it in the truth, in the tabernacle of David, judging and seeking judgment and hasting righteousness. That's our Lord and Savior. That's his second coming. Amen. And when he sits on the throne, amen, 
His, hey, mercy and truth are going to, uh, will be all over that throne, amen, and it'll be upholding by mercy, amen. Praise God. Verse 29, the glory of young men is their strength, but the beauty of old men is the gray head. Some of us, it's the bald head. Amen. <laughs> Ain't that right, brothers? <laughs> I looked at Dan, I looked over the other side of the road, Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Some of us some of us got gray hair. Some of us wish we had gray hair. Amen. But, uh, you know, you read that verse, the glory of young men is a strength. You know, when guys in their 20s, man, they like to show off, you know, especially in the South. Hey, y'all, watch me do this. And that's how a lot of guys in the, meet their maker by saying that and then doing something stupid. But guys, when they're young, they like to show off how, how strong they are. want to show how many pull-ups they can do, how many push-ups they can do. Want to show arm wrestle somebody, show how strong they are. You know, it's their strength. And, uh, you know, God God designed it that way. God designed, you know, I don't see too many older fellas past 55, 70 going around wanting to arm wrestle each other. I just ain't never run across that very often. You know, I don't, uh, you don't see them usually wanting to pick a fight and get in a fight with each other. And, and they're not they're not trying to do exercise. They usually want to sit down. They're usually sitting and arguing with each other if they're getting into anything, just sitting and fussing. And making a bunch of empty threats. That's usually the way that goes. Uh, but but we're not talking about men who want to fight, amen. We're talking about the glory and the beauty, it says here. The glory of young men is their strength. And God designed our development as humans in a way that, that young young men are strong. And, again, that's their glory. That's the way God made it. And, you know, while you're young, you know, you might as well use your strength and do all you can with it because it ain't going to last very long. Man, I learned that too quick. Amen. It's like you get to a certain age, and, and, and I know, Richard, I know you ain't got there yet. But you get to a certain I know you're getting there, but you ain't got there yet. You get to a certain age to where you think you can till you try. And then you think, ooh, I can't do that anymore. Man, I hate that. I used to be able to do that, no problem. I'm going to tell you, when I was a kid, my daddy was a roofer. I never liked roofs, but I, you know, I, I could scoot up that ladder like a cat squirrel, take off up that roof and tote shingles and everything else and thought nothing about it. I get up on a ladder now and I go step on that roof, I act like twice about it. If I got my balance, am I going to slip when I get up here? If I start slipping, was there something to grab onto? I mean, I have to think about it and I can get dizzy up there. And I used to get dizzy. I could run all of them things. Not anymore. Something happens when you get older. Changes, amen. Your strength ain't what it was before. Amen. And the Bible goes on to say in the second part of that verse, the beauty of old men is the gray head. It ain't the muscle. What old men lack in physical strength, they ought to be able to make up for in wisdom. Wisdom that's appropriate for somebody who has a gray head. The older you get, the more you're supposed to know. I mean, I know a lot of times we forget a lot of stuff we knew, but I mean... You know, that happens too. But, I mean, we're supposed to learn some things along the way. We're supposed to have gained experience and wisdom from this life. And, and, and you know, and, and this proverb is, is, is trying to keep us from unfruitful attitudes of being envious. You know, a lot of older people sit back and look at young people and they say, well, I wish I could do what they're doing. And, you know, and young people make stupid mistakes, and I know they don't think it, but they ought to think, boy, I wish I was as smart as my daddy. They don't ever think that, but they ought to. Because they can't, they can't get past the fact that they didn't know it, because they thought they knew everything. But, but, uh, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is, old people, young people can get a contempt for each other if they're not careful. 
because one looks back at what they used to be able to do, they can't do anymore, and one looks at what they're not able to do yet, and they want to be able to do. And there's a contempt there. When you're young, you think, man, when I'm older enough, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I can't do that now. It makes them mad because they can't do what they want to do yet. Again, so no matter if you're young or whether you're old, beware of ruining the glory of being where you are. That's what that's that's the message of this. Because being young, you're better at some things than you are when you're old. And when you get to be old, you're better at a lot of things than you were when you were young. It's just that's just the way God made us, and He made us to be that way. And so we shouldn't envy one another. We shouldn't run one another down. Because let's be honest, the world needs both. Our country needs both. Our church needs both. The strength of youth for energy and the maturity of the old for wisdom to do it right. We need both. Amen? And the problem is a lot of churches, there ain't any youth left. And we all know what to do, but we ain't got the strength to do it no more. And we need youth in here to get some things done. All right, lastly, verse 30. The blueness of a wound cleanseth away wrath. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Now, ain't nobody in here thinks that serious pain is enjoyable. If you do, there's something wrong with you. But it can bring a benefit. You know, if we allow the, the, the fiery pain to refine and cleanse away the evil in us, then our sorrow over it and our pain over it wasn't worth, wasn't wasted. If if it does some good, I mean, if we get if we go through the pain of punishment and it doesn't do us any good, then it was it was wasted, you know. But if it does do something good, then something was gained from it, so it may, it means that it wasn't so bad after all. And now I want you to understand something. Let's look at this in proper context. This is not in the context of a mom and dad whooping their child. God is not saying take your child and whoop them until they got blue, black and blue all up and down them. And anybody who's taken the scripture and used it in that way is not looking at the Bible in the correct manner. God is not sanctioning beating your children black and blue. Okay, this is talking about this is talking about a, a governmental officer disciplining someone who is who has committed a crime. Uh, you know, in, in Middle Eastern countries, y'all have heard of caning. They do that in Saudi Arabia. They do that in Iran. They do that in Turkey. I'm sure they did that in a lot of Middle Eastern countries, probably did in a lot of places before, back in biblical times. And what are they doing? They're taking something that hurts, and they're striking somebody over and over and over with it. I mean, listen, they scourged people back in Jesus' day. That's ripping your flesh off. I'd say a caning is a whole lot better than a scourging, amen? So, again, if somebody was caned, they were going to come out of that thing so beat up, they didn't know what they, – they'd be speaking – Completely stove up for a while, but when they got well, they'd say, "Hey, that was terrible. I ain't never gonna do that again." And if that's the case, then they learn something from it. And the blueness of the wound cleansed the evil out of them, because they said that was terrible. I never lived through anything as horrible that in my life, and I never want to have to live through nothing like that again. I'm gonna do right from now on. Amen. <clears throat> so. God can look directly into a person's innermost being with his candle. But the king, he can reach out and touch his soul with that cane. And, and God says, hey, you did wrong. The king says, yeah, now I'm going to make you pay for it. Amen. So it says, 
that the blueness of the wound cleanses away evil. It says, so do stripes the inward part of the belly. And again, I, I, I don't really know exactly what he's referring to, but he's but he's talking about stripes, and he's he's using that, again, in a symbolic sense for chastening that comes in life. I've been whipped, and now I had stripes left on me. Not maybe it wasn't blueness, but I've had stripes left on me. I've had little squirrels and nuts and acorns and deer and all kinds. Of, my daddy's name backwards and all kinds of things on me. Amen. You know, and, and I, I didn't die. I, I lived. I didn't hate my daddy's guts. Didn't want to kill him because he whooped me. Amen. I might have for five seconds, but I got over it. Amen. But, I mean, listen, I, you know, nobody likes a whooping. It hurts. It scares the living daylights out of you. You think you're going to die for a second. But once it's over, you didn't die. It done you some good. It was there for a reason. Changes your attitude. I know that. You know, when people are sitting around talking to you, going, <laughs> when they talk, he's <laughs> trying, trying to talk, talking that, that shudder hits you right in the middle of a sentence. That's when it did some good. Amen. That's when it got you. That's usually when you're talking about, yes, sir, yes, sir, I'm sorry, yes, sir. That's when, that's when they got a hold of you right. Amen? There's nothing wrong with spanking if it does some good. Amen? If we receive the discipline with wisdom. I mean, if we just harden our heart and harden our neck and say, you just beat me, I'm going to do what I want to do, then you're never going to change. But if you receive it with wisdom, me because I was doing wrong and I was going to hurt myself. And any parent that, listen, let me give you a piece of wisdom. I got a long time ago. And I know this is, most of y'all don't need this as parental wisdom, but I'm just going to share it with you anyway. When you're raising a child, there's a lot of people watching this that may need this tonight. When you're raising up a child, you want to invest love into that child's life. You want to love them in such an abundant way that you build up love in their life like a bank account, a rich person. It's just full of love. That way when they mess up and you have to take them in the back room and wear them out, you're making a withdrawal from that account. But you're not withdrawing so much you leave them overdrawn. That's when they hate you. When you don't love them very much and then you discipline them constantly, they don't feel nothing but anger. But when you love them and love them and love them, and that when you whip them, you, you break their heart because they're like, you love me. I know you love me. And, I, and, I'm, and again, when, when, a, when a daddy says, this hurts me more than it hurts you, that, that's the kind of daddy that loves their child with everything they are. And when you say in that meaning it, it's going to get that child's heart because that child knows that that parent loves them. Amen? So let's be careful that we do it right if we have to do it. Amen? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, because physical punishment, again, nobody likes to do it, but it may prove spiritually valuable. <clears throat> And if we receive it, it'll clean us on the inside. Isaiah 53, 5, and I'm going to close with this. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He was wounded for us. He was bruised for our sins. He was, he was whipped because, because we wanted peace. And that was the only way we could have it, is if he took it for us. And by those stripes, we're healed. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen.
let's get ready to go to the house tonight. Listen, next Wednesday, let me remind you, will be different than it is this Wednesday. We should probably have twice as many people or more than we have tonight. Amen. We're going to have food, and we want everybody to be here. Be sure to encourage all our members. Those, if you see people that had not been here in a day or two, let them know. Let's be here on that next Wednesday, 7 p.m. I'm going to be smoking two turkeys, and I think we're going to have, a, like, a, I don't know what to call it, but hash brown casserole. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, they call it wedding taters and funeral taters and other places, but I'm going to do that, and mac and cheese, and and uh, some uh, baked beans, I think, and uh, uh, sweet potato casserole, uh, dressing, and I don't know. We might do something else, too. I'm not sure. Maybe some yeast rolls. Uh, but anyway, we'll have a good time. We'll enjoy ourselves. We'll get full. I promise you that. We're going to have plenty of desserts and things of that nature. So I don't want you to bring nothing but your appetite. And we're going we're gonna to have... We're gonna we're gonna sing some songs. We're gonna we're gonna pray. We're gonna share some testimonies. We're gonna eat some food, and we're gonna enjoy ourselves in the Lord. Before we go to the house, we're gonna have the Lord's Supper. At the end of it, we're just gonna have a good Thanksgiving service. I'm looking forward to it, and y'all pray for me because there's a lot of cooking I got to do between between now and the end of next week. So uh, y'all pray for me too. I got a catering event next week too. I got a wedding. Got smoke ten pork shoulders. So, yeah, it's a big, pretty big wedding. So it's going to feed 140 people. So anyway, y'all pray for me. i got a lot on my plate. and got to serve it on Saturday before I preach. So y'all pray for me. Amen. All right. Any word from anybody before we dismiss tonight? been good to be in God's house with you tonight. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask God to bless us as we go. And Richard, dismiss us in prayer tonight.